Matt Sikaris from Sikaris and the Price daily from 3 to 6 p.m. at SikarisandPrice.com. Coming up on I Only Touch Greatness podcast with my boy Ryan and Big Mike. Looking for the most beers on tap, great steaks, and great staff? Head over to the John B. Pub. We got the best beers, steaks, chicken wings, nachos in town. Come see us at the John B. Pub. The John B. Pub, the best bar in town. Come sign up for our football pool. Say hey, St. You. The number one sports podcast in Vancouver with Ryan Hayes and Big Mike. Ryan Hayes and Big Mike are taking over the podcast scene in Vancouver. Get down or lay down. Lay down. Lay down. Behold, everybody, the moment of birth. Securus Price in a studio again. Six weeks after TSN 10. You can hear the neighborhood starting to get going with some noise. I'm told you needed a video. So here is your video. And now, Jason Brock, Mike Alford, Ian McClutchy, Andy Cole. Over to you. Your turn. You're not in the most densely populated areas with the most noise, but thought that counts. Seven o'clock, time for our nightly salute to frontline COVID-19 workers here on our rooftop patio in Pitts. Another nice night, rainy night. Hear the noise in the background. It's time to do our part. That's time to get our show involved. Lake Price, Andrew Wadden. I know you're not in the most densely populated areas with the most noise, but thought that counts. Got the new Audi e-tron while I get my Q5 service. Ah, nice to see Last one to the pre-owned building buys lunch. Let's do it, partner. High time. Let's go. So, um, uh, I gotta say, uh, boy, you guys have um, been at the podcast game for a while. Only a year. Really? We have three hundred all those guests, all that following, huh? Three hundred and eighty uh, episodes in a year. Three hundred and eighty episodes, great. Yeah. Uh, what are your downloads like? Do you know? Uh, I honestly, a lot of our prospects that we do because we do all the NHL prospects and stuff. So it's okay. like uh, I don't really care what the views are because they're not known yet. But uh, as for the big names, I mean, everything grows when we're putting out an episode a day, kind of thing. It's yeah. like people can't keep up. So you, I, sure. I look, I look at the numbers based on like a month or two into it, kind of thing. Yes. thing yes. Just a thing. Uh, is if you, I don't really uh, like to worry about that stuff. When, yeah, when, no, yeah. I hear you. I have to worry about those uh, yeah. things right now in my new world. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah. right, like we do one a day, and sometimes people are like, you know, responding to like an episode we did last Thursday. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, as long as they're downloading, uh, I'm happy with that. We, What's the name again? I usually have I, it written down. I only touch, touch a, greatness. I only touch greatness. That's Andrew Wadden said. Boy, what a great name! Where does that come from? Um, basically, I used to be a, in the hip hop business in Vancouver, doing shows and promoting and DJing, and the, um, my albums were always called "I I Only Touch Greatness." And then when I didn't make any money in music. I turned to this venture, which is <laughs> not much more than doing music. There's every person yeah. in town's got a podcast, just like every person in town thought they could rap. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> I read that about you, Ryan, that you were in the A&R game. Yeah. In fact, uh, Water and I were uh, thinking of all the best hip hop lyrics with A&R, the, uh, the Wu-Tang song, the Tribe song. Yeah. And all. And uh, at the risk of getting snickering from behind the curtain there, uh, I was pretty early on the Canadian hip hop scene. Yeah. Uh, grew up in Ottawa, got to know organized rhyme a little bit. Uh, not Tom Green as much, mostly Greg Campbell, MC Finn. <laughs> uh, and then Greg was out here for years doing music under a number of names, maybe even worked with him, Ryan. I'm sure he was unsellable uh, at one point in his career. 
And who, um, who is that? I know Greg Mitworth. Oh, DK uh, stuntman. No, I don't know that name. No, no. All right. Okay. Uh, local producer mixer here does it professionally now, but was early in the hip hop game in Canada as well. So, so. like. First question I'll start with here. Well, uh, so born in Montreal, but moved to Ottawa. What was childhood like for you growing up? And did you play much sports? Oh, childhood was great growing up. Uh, yeah, I was real young in Montreal and Calgary, and we eventually got to Ottawa when I was like seven, eight years old. And uh, suburban childhood, like I was a child of the suburbs, Beaconsfield, Quebec, Northwest Calgary and Canada, Ontario. And, uh, yeah, I played all the sports, tons of sports, uh, you know, hockey, baseball, basketball, football. I was a competitive swimmer at one point. Um, eventually got into golf as an adult. So I played them all not very well. You know, like high school basketball team was pretty much where I tapped out, you know, midget football, which was, you know, um, you know, there's a part of me that wondered about walking on at Carlton's football program. And then I was like, I'm going to get my head kicked in for like three years <laughs> to maybe be the field if I'm lucky in year four or five. And frankly, I wasn't a good enough student to sort of dedicate that time to, uh, to, to sports and, uh, and, uh, you know, complete my, uh, my studies. So, yeah, I played them all and followed them all. And that's sort of, you know, what led me to the career that I had. I, you know, I sort of couldn't imagine doing a real world job. I've had the pleasure of being able to watch and write and talk about sports my whole career. So I've been very, very lucky. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of an awesome job. I mean, I got, I, I, I do it on my spare time. Like, yeah, I got, no, I know. I know. We all got a real job too. Like, so no, I know. Yeah. I just Sometimes keep people say to me, you know, like, how is it, do you know, this and how you know that? And I say, you know, the seven and a half hours a day that you spend doing <laughs> the, the blank. Yeah. I spend those, you know, talking sports, reading sports, thinking about sports and, you know, all the things that this job allows you to do. So yeah, pretty so, much the dream job to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, honestly, Mike, it is, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's not many friends I have who wouldn't trade jobs with me. Right. So uh, and that's despite the fact that the media industry has been so volatile, unpredictable, in some cases even cruel uh, here recently. But yeah, um, I got so, a question yeah. about that later. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got yeah, just uh, just I only have one about that question. <laughs> right but between the, you guys, you can ask me to say something bad about TSN or Bell. <laughs> uh, no, no. What made you what What made you get into broadcasting in the first place, and how did it actually all get started for you? Well, uh, started in print. Um, always liked writing. I lived three doors down from Roy McGregor, the Hockey Hall of Fame writer and okay. author. So, you know, at like seven, eight years old, and then, you know, as I got a little bit older, like it, it was just like, I couldn't comprehend. I was like, Roy gets paid to go to the hockey game and write <laughs> about it. I was like, that's not a real job. That's like a play job. That's like a kid's job. So I sort of set my sights out because I liked writing to be a, a writer and a newspaper reporter. And I did 10 years of that. And, uh, but really the dream was always to have your own radio show because, you know, I was lucky enough that I started listening to sort of the early sports talk radio in the mid nineties. Yeah. Um, growing up in Eastern Ontario, we used to get at night WFAN out of New York city. And it was just like mind blowing to me. Right. Like, um, you know, they were talking Rangers and Knicks and Yankees and Mets and, you know, um, so I would always listen to that and I'd always have like, we were a big radio family to begin with and particularly the big news talk stations, um, the CKNW equivalents and other markets in Canada. So always listen to radio, loved sports talk radio, thought I might be okay at it. And then uh, I dabbled and, and uh, I got out here to Vancouver in 2007 and Rob Gray, who I'm still associated with today, he's the, the show developer for our new Sakarison Price show. He was the program director at then Team 1040. Yep. And I was the new sports reporter at the Globe and Mail. And there was sort of a note waiting for me uh, with the bureau chief of the Globe who, you know, came over to my cubicle one day and said, oh, Matt, you know, uh, some sports radio guy said, you know, when you get in town, get settled, send him a note. He'd like to talk. And at the time, the Globe and Mail and uh, the team uh, station had common ownership and we were all tracking towards 2010 and, 
the Olympics. And I always tease Rob to this day, like, yeah, you asked to meet me just because it was good politics for you and the whole Belglo media <laughs> empire. <laughs> well, we had a great coffee at the, the Dutch on West, uh, was it West 6th, uh, right by Canby Bridge there, right across from the old station. Yeah. And uh, he said to me, okay, well, I'm going to get you a weekly hit on this show. The host's name is Blake Price. Maybe you've heard of him. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's the guy from Sports Center, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, video for us. So I started doing a weekly hit uh, on Blake's show on Mondays uh, in the sort of early afternoon. T Mart, Trevor Martins was the producer of the show. And then Rob was like, um, you know, when the Canucks play on the East Coast, we do a post game show, but then we want a post post game show. Do you think you'd come in and do two hours from like nine to 11 or 10 to midnight or something like that? So I started doing that. And, you know, the next thing I know, in uh, summer, late summer of 2011, so 10 years ago, really, maybe even this week, they said to me, Hey, what do you think about joining us full time and leaving newspapers? And at the time, I sort of saw where newspapers were going. So, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. And uh, the next thing you know, I was doing a midday show with Blake Price and haven't looked back since. That's for sure. I always think like everybody loves Raymond. You know how he was. the Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah so he was a he was a writer also and went to all the hockey games and stuff like you were saying. And that that's what I was going through in my head. I was thinking of that. Um, Mike, you got one or I'm going to shoot it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh, if you were having your dream dinner and you could sit down with anybody dead or alive, three or four people to your, if you could invite them, who would you invite? I totally butchered that question, but. <laughs> um, well, my favorite athlete of all time was Walter Payton, the late great Chicago bears yep. running back. Of course. Uh, who passed at a very early age. So I think I'd like to have him at the supper table. Um, I really like Barack Obama as a speaker. I find myself agreeing with much of what he says, but I also think he'd be a really interesting perspective and, and debate. So I think he would be on the short list. My mother is a great talker. Like it is hard to shut her up. I come by it honestly. Uh, plus if I don't invite mom to a dinner of this sort of caliber, yeah. I will, I'll never hear the end of it. So mom's going to be there too. Um, and one more, huh? I get four or am sure. I the fourth? Yeah. No, you can go four. I go four, huh? Hmm. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know, so much of uh, modern coaching, I think, finds, finds its roots in Vince Lombardi. Yeah, that's uh, a good one. Football. Well, I just, you know, like, and, you know, the other thing is, you know, uh, I've heard about Lombardi, you know, that, you know, when you sort of got him away from the football field and could sit down and talk with him, a brilliant guy uh, on all sorts of things. So, yeah, those would, those would be my four, but you caught me off guard here. I'm sure I'll think of like 16 <laughs> that's, more. That's the think. point. You guys get so, these, everybody gets all these questions that are always the same and always the same. And like we had Kent Danico on last night and I hit him with that one. And he was like, Whoa, yeah. what the hell? I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, good. And like my <laughs> answers for that are Tupac, Seth Rogen, yep. Seth Rogen. Oh, yes. Um, I'd like to Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And, and maybe my, for Ike, my eye candy is always Shakira. Ah, her hips don't lie. Yeah, yeah that's I, I right. Okay. Big Mike, I always go with, yeah, I always go with Gretzky, Muhammad Ali, and uh, my eye candy's uh, Carrie Underwood. Muhammad Ali was absolutely the guy I should put on the list, huh? That's that's the one. Uh, you know what? We'll we'll scratch Coach Lombardi <laughs> and put Muhammad Ali. On. <laughs> uh, what's it like working with uh, Donnie and the Moj? Well, I don't work with oh. them anymore. Well, not now. Yeah, yeah, not now. Yeah. Yeah. What well, was um, it? So who do you want to know about? We are, we, we've uh, had we've talk had, on Don. We've had them both on the show, and Donnie's yeah. right around here in Coquitlam. So, yeah. Well, I mean, and more. You know, yeah, got close across, enough. Got across moats to get to Don, right? <laughs> <laughs> um. So, um, uh, Don's fantastic. He shows up five minutes before the show, <laughs> completely prepared. 
uh, sits down and just broadcasts the hell out of the show. Yeah. Um, no, Don is, uh, Don is brilliant in terms legend. of knowing the audience. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, Don is a, a, a TV legend yeah. uh, in BC. So he had that going from before he even got into the radio game at yeah. 1040. Uh, and then he just expanded his legend and his empire uh, because Don is like the perfect two chair in radio and the chemistry and the show he did with Dave Pratt were just amazing. Like, you know, I came out here from Ontario and I'd listen to them and I'd hear some of the debates. And I'd be like, that's brilliant radio. Or I'd say, you know, he's like, I can't believe, can't believe they're getting away with saying that or this. So, um, you know, he's a little bit naughty. He's got that, you know, naughty schoolboy style of humor and whatnot. Uh, you know, never a double entendre is left hanging with Don, right? You know, he's always going to make a, a subtle but comical reference if you happen to say something that toes the line. Uh, great recall on sports. You know, you hear that all the time with the birthdays and the numbers. Yep. It's just like index cards. You almost hear them like filing through. Okay, that one, you know, we're 16 for the Canucks and 74, 75. Like Donnie's got that at his fingertips. And, um, you know, in TV, they say get through the glass and, you know, on radio, it's just, you know, Don seems like he could be at anybody's supper table, right? Yeah. Uh, in their four uh, or at the bar having a beer uh, or watching the game. He, you know, those observations on the game, those sort of unique little observations that everyone goes, yeah, yeah, I saw that. You're right. You're right. Don's just a master at all that. So. Yeah, no, working with him was a great thrill. I mean, I used to watch, I used to be a bit of a night owl um, back in my reporting days. So I used to watch Don on the late uh, Sportsnet. Um, yeah, um, on Sportsnet Pacific. So I'd see all his highlights and be like, boy, is that guy fantastic uh, on a highlight reel. And then he was super cool with me. You know, like uh, I walked into that building and, you know, Don was accepting and helped me out and, and all of those things. So yeah, no, uh, working with Don, uh, working with Don was a great highlight, particularly since, you know, I encounter so many people here born and bred British Columbians that just, you know, count Don as somebody who has been part of the soundtrack of their life on TV and radio. So yeah, yeah the Mount Rushmore of, of definitely of our, uh, for media sure. for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, I think Jim Robson probably belongs yep. there, uh, I was uh, an old friend and loved J.P. McDonald to death and, you know, Tommy Larshide and, you know, but, you know, we've been so blessed, right? Like this province has had exceptional broadcasters, uh, Bernie Pascal, and, you know, yeah. on and on it goes. So, yeah, no, uh, Neil McRae, you know, so on and on it goes. So, yeah, no, uh, very pleased uh, to be associated with Don for the years we were at 1040. And, Okay, so and Mo, oh wow, you know, look, Mo and I crossed swords a few times. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I used to say this about Moj because we go and do the 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 Moj golf tournament um, each and every year, Blake and I. That you know, if you were in trouble, you know, if you had that proverbial one phone call from the jailhouse, and you needed to call somebody dependable, reliable, somebody who would drop everything with a huge heart and help you out. That'd be Moach. Like, he's that kind of guy. Um, and, of course, you know, he's he's a careerist like me. He's dedicated his whole life uh, to um, achievement in this field, or at least, you know, making it in this field. So he works tirelessly. You know, I don't think the poor guy, the poor guy, I don't think he sleeps all that well. Uh, you know, I've had many a conversation with Moach where he's been, yeah, I was up at 3 in the morning flipping through this or watching it. So a bit of an insomniac, and, and yet still he works so hard. I mean, we used to talk about come back from a Lions game, play by play, and yep. you know, wake up at five in the morning, drive down to the Seahawks game to host that. So, uh, and you know, the other thing Mojo and I have in common is football. Like he's a, you know, first and foremost football guy. Doesn't discriminate CFL, NFL, loves it all. And you know, that's uh, you know, that's those are my preferences too. So, and a great radio character, right? Like every talk radio station needs a big bombastic character yeah. who will needle you and then take some of the jabs and, and that is quintessentially Moj. So yeah, uh, fortunate for his associate. He used to put me on, on his show back on the old Mojo way back in the day. So yeah, no, no he helped <laughs> me get the job as well. And Mike, I'm going to shoot this one. Yep. Okay. The, you, you mentioned exchanging jabs there. 
the Helford and Bruff jabs, they were always just oh. joke. That was just jokes, or you guys actually don't get along? Everybody no, wants I quite them. Hate them. Yeah, I quite hate them. Um, <laughs> you know, if they were on fire, I wouldn't cross the street to piss on them. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I played golf. You guys thought you were getting a scoop. Yeah, right? I did. I did. Um, uh, I played golf with Bruff last week, and it was completely civil. We cheered for each other, even. Okay. Uh, no, but we sort of we developed a little bit of a frenemies, uh, you know, yeah. um, bit, if you will, shtick. Uh, it's good though. 40. Yeah, well, everyone seemed to love it. So, like, we did. you realize that the audience likes something in talk radio, you run with it, and you run with it for as long as it lasts. And sadly, I think the bit would have lasted longer than the station because we were still doing it. It really inspired the crossover week. That was uh, that was T-Mart's idea. You know, he said to me once, I just so wanted to put you in a booth with Bruff. <laughs> um, so we did that a few times, and it was great fun. Look, um, some of it we came by naturally and honestly. Like, you know, I came to that microphone as a sports reporter who firmly believed one needed a news background and enough coverage experience to be able to bring those anecdotes that work in radio, but also the, you know, the understanding, the stick handling of the information as it comes in and, and particularly uh, live and, you know, understanding the business of sport and all the things that, that help our understanding of, uh, you know, the games and, and they came from it from a totally different background, right? Um, blogosphere. Yeah. Right. Where it was write what you want. Don't do it under your own name. You know, and um, you know, that probably shone through in our shows. Like we were sometimes accused of being a little too serious and they were probably sometimes not serious enough. Um, so we had sort of different sounds and different things that drove us and different histories and different ways of presenting um, some of the same material. And I thought it was a pretty good yin and yang for listener. Cause you know, in the morning you want that sort of light, funny, you know, <laughs> offbeat, you know, all the things that, you know, great morning talk show hosts and good. our buddy, bro, Jake, uh, you know, brought over the years. And, you know, in the PM drive, you should probably have something that's a, you're stuck in traffic anyways. Right. So you should probably have something that's a little bit more nourishing food for thought. And, uh, you know, ripping into the day's events and, and drilling down as deep as possible. So, yeah, it was great fun. Um, uh, talked to Mike a couple weeks ago. We we're uh, looking at bringing someone aboard here, and I want to talk to Mike about it, and he helped me out. And like I said, played golf with Brett the other day. So we're all still friends. You know, one of the big regrets, and, and uh, Jeff Patterson mentions it a lot, and, uh, you know, Rick Dollywall mentions it a lot, is that uh, because of this pandemic, we haven't had the ability to have the big 1040 grand finale party send off, yeah, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, that's something that I'm, I'm hopeful we can get through this pandemic and safely gather and that, you know, everyone's still in town and we can make a night out of it. Yeah. That would That'd be, be awesome. good times. <laughs> Mike, you shoot one. Uh, yeah. I'm going to hit him with a little bit of a curveball question. Uh, if you had to sing one song for karaoke, uh, what song are you singing? Well, I have to stick with OK Blue Jay, right? Like, okay. uh, that's what I'm known for when it comes yeah. to public singing, the one and only. Uh, Nat Bailey, um, there's a part of me that can't believe I did that, like to this day, <laughs> like I hear the audio or I see the YouTube clip, like every time I see Rob Fay. And I'm like, I act because I'm a terrible singer. And, um, so to think that I stood up there in front of 5,000 people and sang a few bars. Uh, but it seemed to be pretty well received. The funny story about that day. Um, was there any liquid so, courage? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we, finished, we finished the show and I like slammed two beers. Like I knew I need you know, I need a little something going out there. So we were, we, Blake and I were doing the midday show uh, in left field there at the yeah. Heavy All Porch. I remember that. And our operator on site was Cam Barra, who's now uh, over at 650. And, you know, Cam was a younger guy at the time. And, you know, the, the rule for an operator on location is you stand at your post, right? Like, you do not leave that board. You're communicating with the producer back at mission control. And so that morning, I see Cam, like, running around. You know, like his pants are on fire. He's like, he's running to and fro. The Canadians had offices and back to our broadcast location. I'm like, what the hell is Cam doing? 
Uh, you know, and then he's up and leaving the show like in mid segment. And I'm like staring daggers from him. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? You're going to be standing there. And then I realized, okay, something is up here. And I guess that Don and uh, BMAC and Moj and Ryan Henderson had basically said, we want to carry Sakara Singh and OK Blue Jay live and then make it a part of our show. And so I was sort of on to them. I, you know, I finally, at one point I said, you know, Cam, are you telling me everything that I need to know about all this? And he's, you know, like, yes. <laughs> so so I, I effectively walked out there and knew it was only live in front of 5,000 people, but it was going out live on 1040. Um, so, yeah, I slammed a couple of beers and just said, oh, please don't forget the lyrics and, you know, engage the crowd. And so went out and did it. And, there you go. If I had to do it again, it'd be okay, Blue Jay. There you go. So I was listening when 1040 went off the air. And of course, Clutchy had to put it on that song. Uh, I thought it was Wish You Had the Time of Your Life. Yeah. But, Title, right, Ryan? Yeah. Title. Uh, that I was sitting there at work here and that, and I was like, oh my God, it's over. Um, we'll something, we'll move on to something better. You want to funny story about that? Uh, I'll, and I'm not sure I've even told anybody this um so i had to sort of start my own company here yeah uh for the purposes of this show and uh my attorney said to me well you gotta think of the name of the company so uh, i'm actually about to sign the paperwork i could put all the final paperwork to bed here this week next week uh my company's name is good riddance media oh okay Nice. I like it. I like yeah. it. I considered Buckfell Media, but I thought that might be a little bit too cheeky with my former employer, particularly since they owed me money at the time. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, Good Riddance Media, because it's a bit of a double entendre. Number one, it you know was the, the song I played when yeah. 1040 uh, changed formats, but also because you know I'd been a traditional media guy all my life, and it became clear to me uh, in the weeks following... February was it February eighth or ninth? I always forget. Ninth. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Um, that I would have to go into the digital space and, and new media, and so like suddenly I had stopped being mainstream media. So I was like, you know what? Good riddance media works. Oh, that's nice. I. Uh, I that's would... an exclusive for you, Ryan and Mike. I'm not sure I've told like anybody it, like outside. It. Of oh, that. perfect! It's, you came to the right show. That's why it's called. I only touch greatness. Exactly. And 381 episodes in, I figured you guys deserved hey. uh, a little exclusive info. You've been at this so long. You know, we just passed 100, so I'm sure there's plenty you can our, teach us. Our, bi our, our biggest one was uh, we had Tito Ortiz on, and he went on a rant when COVID just hit. He, mm -hmm. he went on a rant saying that COVID is fake thing, and then... Uh, it's all put on by the left wing or the right wing. I can't remember which one it was, but he said yeah. this. And then he went on and said, oh, in a couple of weeks, this will all be gone. And two days later, being a Trump supporter, two days later, Donald Trump got COVID. Oh and God. this TMZ got a hold of my fucking interview. Did they really? And they put our interview with Tito Ortiz all over TMZ. Yeah. And I, I, wasn't a leg I wasn't a real company back then. So they, I had no way, no leg to stand on when I tried to pursue it, and uh, from that day forward, we've been a we've been a registered company. Well, that's a pretty expensive lesson to learn, Ryan. Uh, right. Feel bad, you know, TMZ would have paid big dinero for that. So. Oh, I know. Right. At least you got the exposure of TMZ, right? Yeah, like for I, one of our first episodes too. So. Was it really? Well, well, you know. You've hit heights that uh, we couldn't possibly match at Sakaris and Price. That's, that's, viral not, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. That's not true. We have to work another job. That's right. <laughs> I'm not, I, don't, I haven't seen a penny yet. No. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan, pay the man, all right? <laughs> yeah, he deserves right. it. He's working hard here. Big Mike's out here working on a Monday night. So. That's yeah. right. Uh, what would you say your favorite interview is? Hmm. Great question. Um, so on a personal level, I'm a big Chicago Bears fan. We had Mike Singletary on the show one day, the Sweet. great Hall of Fame middle linebacker. So that, you know, that's one I, 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 I won't soon forget. 
uh, I'll give you one um, just because of the historical significance, the Vancouver significance, but also it was personal too. So we interviewed, and it was myself and Farhan Lalji um, in the summer. Uh, Blake was away. Farhan was uh, sitting in. And I want to say it was the 50-year anniversary of the Miracle Mile at the British Empire Games okay. at the PNE, mm-hmm. um, at Empire Stadium. And we got Sir Roger Bannister on the phone from England for a live interview. Wow. He was sharp as a tack. He remembered so much about that day and that week. He was, you know, duly charmed that a sports talk radio station halfway across the world would want to talk to him because, you know, let's yeah, right. face it over a half century. Your, your celebrity tends to fade a little bit. And, you know, I'm quite sure he was closer to his last interview than he was his first interview at the time. I forget exactly how old he was, but, you know, I think it was even more than 50 years, almost 60 years or something like that. I mean, it was a, it was a big uh, anniversary. And so interview went swimmingly well, you know, phone line held up great. Uh, he was completely smart and charming and all that and complimentary of the city. And so uh, loved it from the standpoint of like, you know, what a historical figure in sports, right? Like to, to break the, you know, the mile record um, and be one of the first or the first. And um, secondly, you know, to this day, even with the golden goal of Sidney Crosby, I, I think you could argue it's the most historical sporting yeah. occurrence in our city yep. and in our province. Uh, and then, you know, the best part was, uh, you know, uh, on my mom's side, my grandfather was still alive back then. You know, he's an old Brit, grew up in London. And, uh, you know, I got to go home. When we finished the interview, Farhan looked at me and went, that's what I'll tell my kids about. And I went, yeah, I, if I had kids, I'd do it too. But I've got a grandpa uh, who knew the name Roger Bannister because he was a Brit and all that. And so I got to go home and, and call my grandfather and say, hey, guess who I interviewed today? And, you know, he wanted to hear all about it. So it was a great family moment as well. So, you know, that's one I'll treasure. That's sweet. That's sweet. Uh, like you said, the Singletary one, I'm a Bengals fan. So last night we had on uh, Ken Anderson. So that was I pretty cool. I saw that. I yeah. saw that. Kenny Anderson. Yeah. What a... Yeah. Former NFL MVP took the Bengals to the Super Bowl, right? And he's going in the uh, ring of Ring of Honor this yeah, year. He's going in the Ring of Honor this year, and then he's also a Hall of Fame ballot for this year. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a marvelous player. I mean, I was very young, but I can remember him back in the you know, two bar face mask and all yeah, that. Yeah. So he before was I was Eisen, before Boomer Esiason. Yeah, he was that's already. right. He was. That's right. It was. So before I ask you some Canuck questions, uh, what's your favorite sports movie? Hmm. Uh, great question. I sort of like those sappy, sentimental movies. I'm sorry to say, like I, I always. Like oh, I was gonna I like, say, I, I always say Rudy. I like I like Rudy. I like Miracle. They're laughing on the other side of this curtain. That's okay. And we, I, I, we just had Rudy on the real Rudy Rudiger. That the movie was made. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Pardon me. I hear he's a bit of a trip. Just hold on a second. I'm going to uh, Google some uh, best sports movies because uh, I'm never good at these things right off the top of the head. Or at least. I yeah. So we had Rudy on, and he was he was super nice, actually, really, really down to earth, and t- he talked really well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do love uh, greatest game ever played, the golf movie. I like Moneyball. Yeah, uh, I like uh, what else do I like? I do like Friday Night Lights. It's a good one. Was, uh, terrific. Um, I always go with Remember the Titans or uh, Blindside. Do you go Blindside? Yeah, I liked Blindside. I didn't love Blindside. Uh, Sandra Bullock was maybe a little too, uh, you know. Uh, what else do I like? <laughs> uh, we, we actually did like this. I like Rush, the F1 movie. I loved that back in the day. Uh, I mean, it's hard. Bull Durham is fantastic, right? So Yeah. But, but, but I'll be honest with you guys. Like, um, oh, and then, of course, the boxing movies, right? Like, um, I like sports documentaries than I, better than sports feature films. Okay. Oh, another one I'll give you is Invictus, uh, the rugby movie with Matt Damon okay. and Morgan Freeman. I uh, love the documentary, The 16th Man. In fact, probably in my top five sports documentaries. 
of all time. Okay. And then I thought they did a really good job on the, on the feature film. And, you know, Matt Damon pulls off the South African accent and, you know, Morgan Freeman pulls off Mandela. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Mike. Yeah. What's your favorite uh, sports franchise? Yeah, it's the bears. Um, okay. and what about hockey? So here's the thing in hockey. I get asked this question a lot. Who do you, who do you, you know, root for, uh, or who did you root for? So th- the answer right now is I don't cheer for any one team. I do like to see Canadian teams do well in the playoffs because I just think the game is so culturally relevant here in Canada that it sort of um, it nourishes a community more so than it does in the United States, maybe with the exception of like Minnesota and Detroit. You know, with them, it's just, you know, with most U.S. teams that go on a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, it's just that that's it. It's a sports run of one of the teams, you know, towards the championship. In Canada, as we know, with the 2011 Canucks, and 94 Canucks, and, yep. um, uh, other franchises, uh, Jets a few years ago making the Final Four, Senators making that cup against Anaheim. Like, it is a touchstone. It was a where were you moment. Like, there is only one story in the community, and that is the, you know, the team making a run. So, I, I root for all Canadian teams to do well in the playoffs. I just think there's nothing like the electricity and crackle of a Canadian market that's making a deep run in the Stanley on, Cup playoff. On that note, where um, were you when the golden goal was scored? Uh, like, seven rows up from okay. the penalty box covering the game so okay. that one i do roof i do roof for canada in international hockey and probably too much so that day like that uh, i had a weird feeling in the press box that day like i was i couldn't help myself from cheering and that was the one and only time really that i was in a press box and really pulling hard for one team was that was that hockey game so here's the nhl story so um when i was a young kid my family's all from montreal when i was a young kid my dad had a, a cousin who lived with us who was like an older brother figure who happened to grow up on the same street uh, in Laval, Quebec as Mike Bossy. And that's when the Islanders were winning four cups in a row. So like my cousin would tell me stories about Mike Bossy and I like Bossy was my favorite player. Uh, sorry, Canucks fans. Cause I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I guess one day my, uh, my great aunt went sort of like down to the bossy house and said, Oh, I've got a four year old, five year old nephew who loves your son. And um, they arranged to get me like a white and a blue Islanders Jersey for Christmas. And like, this was amazing. Like they were dresses on me and they were so big, but I'd wear them all out, you know, out on the snow, play road hockey in them and things like that. So I, I sort of started as an Islanders fan, but we were living in Calgary and, you know, my parents were pretty much fish out of water as Montrealers in Calgary. But, you know, the one common language is hockey. So my mom really picked up the flames pretty hard. Like my parents really weren't the biggest hockey fans or Habs fans growing up. But we picked up the flames because that was the way of sort of getting along in Calgary. So I became a Flames fan. And then uh, my family moved to Ottawa. There was no NHL team. So, you know, I was kind of a Flames fan, but it was diminishing. And then the Senators came around, but I was like 16 years old already. So, and they were so God awful. <laughs> the first couple of playoff uh, times for the new Senators, I was on board because, again, it was just so much fun, right? Like the Stanley Cup playoffs is going on in New York City. So I supported them. And, you know, then I moved away and it was sort of like, you know, I guess most of my family is Habs fan. I don't really have a team. I haven't had a team for a long, long time. Uh, all I know is when Canadian teams do well in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I get to text and email with all my friends across the country, and they show me, you know, they send me photos of like crazy, crazy parties and things that are going on, and it's amazing. So that's what I root for. I root for a Stanley Cup coming back to Canada. Awesome. I'd like to see it soon. Yeah. <laughs> Just hopefully, well, I'm like, this, hopefully it's this city would be. Yeah, I, I was going to say, right? Because, like, you know, this city is the one that needs it most, right? Uh, Alberta's got theirs. I know it's some time ago, but they, you know, climbed that mountaintop. Yeah. Uh, you know, Toronto still has a ton, never, you know, in the last half century. Uh, <laughs> God, Montreal, you know, sick of winning uh, the Stanley Cup, the usual route for the parade. And, you know, Ottawa is 25, 30 years old, whatever it is, but this is 50-plus years of longing Definitely. in this city. Yeah. So uh, this is the one that I'd love to see it happen in because I just could only imagine 
what the city be like. If you could play any pro sport, what would it be? Um, golf. Yeah. Okay. Really long career, tons of money, get to travel the world. Nobody hits you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Golf for sure. There would have been a time where I would have said football, but you know what? Well, especially with all we're learning about concussions these days, golf. Okay. John Daly would be a sweet interview. I, I've been, we've been trying to get him. Oh, we interviewed John Daly oh, really? and, uh, yeah, BMAC and I, uh, back at the, uh, excuse me, Canadian open at Shaughnessy years ago. I, I was and, there the day that he walked in. I, I was there and he walked out like in an anger thing and he walked off and stormed off the course. I was a little kid. That's why. Yeah. Oh, and Morgan uh, Creek, I think back in the day. Yeah. And not the first time I'm sure. No. He stormed in. You know, he's had a troubled life. Uh, yeah, um, but he's got an honesty and a sincerity about, you know, his place in the game of golf and, you know, winning that PGA and whatnot. So, you know, that's kind of cool. Yep. And I mean, he's still an amazing story, right? Like seventh alternate or whatever it was. And you hear the stories of, you know, the guys who said no to the invite to allow him in. Like, you know, some guys just weren't playing well, didn't want to embarrass themselves. You know, somebody had like a family function or something. You have to think, uh, Golf Channel did a documentary on this, all the things that had to happen for John Daly, even driving through the middle of the night, right, to get to uh, Crooked Stick. Uh, just so amazing story, for sure. Mike, uh, what, do you, what, what, do you think on the, what do you think of the line so far after three games? Uh, well, haven't been most entertaining outside of that second half in Regina. Uh, but... Uh, I like what I'm seeing on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's pretty good there. Uh, particularly front. Some, of, some of those young uh, defense alignment, American defense alignment, are, look to be pretty good. Thought the secondary might be pretty good, and it's looking like it is, and, and they even look like they found some guys there. That that one corner with the double-barreled name, I'm forgetting it right now, but he can ball. Oh, 29, uh, think, number 29? Yeah, yeah. The guy had the great interception there uh, yeah. in Calgary down the stretch. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the two Canadian linebackers, Lacombo and, uh, and uh, uh, Williams, uh, the newcomer. So, been very impressed on the defensive side. Looks, I was at the game Thursday. Looks like they found a kicker. So, that's good because Finally. God knows we've seen kicking travails uh, yep. of this franchise outside of Castillo. Uh, but Ambisaglia. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, sure, of course, but I, I mean, more recently, you know, yeah. remember they had Callum and Sean White, and yep. got rid of Sean White, and probably, you know, he might still be kicking here if they had kept Whitey. Um, but, uh, you know, the protection has to get better. I think the receiving core has a chance to be pretty good. The protection has to get better. They got all those injuries at offensive tackle. It seems like they're just jinxed at that position. And then, you know, the quarterback is 35 and still wants to hang on to the ball and hang on to the ball. And, uh, you know, I think this is going to be an interesting test of Mike Riley here over the next few weeks because uh, the young kid Rourke is pushing, and that's a pretty yeah, good story. Is. And he can do more with his legs than Mike can. Or, sorry, Michael, yeah, as it wants to be called. So, yeah, uh, we'll see how they do in Ottawa here. Back-to-back uh, -back with Ottawa, right? Like, uh, yep. Lucky. Probably a really bad team, uh, those Red Blacks. So I, I think there's a couple wins at their disposal here if they, if they play well. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, Lucky Whitehead and our friend Lamar Durant is looking really good, though. I mean, Lamar yeah. had a tough little thing. Tough he had, he had yeah. a tough drop last week, but they, uh, he looked good. Really like Lamar, though, you know, like yeah. a big body Canadian slot like that. You know, good, good uh, Coquitlam kid, pedigree, you know, like, so his hands aren't, you know, 10 out of 10, you know, that's fair. Like, uh, you know, if his hands were 10 out of 10, he's maybe an NFL player. Uh, but you know, if they can get the ball to him, I've always been a Shaq Johnson fan on the outside. Cause you know, he can run a four, four 40 and there's not many Canadians who can do that. And, you know, what yeah. can you say about Burnham? And yeah, I think Whitehead brings a little bit of pizzazz and sparkle. Uh, with a different skill set. So, yeah, I think they got a chance to be pretty good if they can protect and get the ball to them. Thoughts on the Canucks offseason? Well, I mean, we're still waiting on the two big pieces, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you have to like what they've done with the top nine. I think they're better there. Um, I hope they're better on defense because, boy, has that been a, a trouble spot for some time. And it's been tough to watch some nights trying to get out of your own zone. 
Uh, but a huge, huge gamble on Oliver Ekman Larson. Like, yeah, right. It, that's one of the toughest contracts in the league. And they're one of the few that think that he's going to provide value. Um, you know, I got, uh, I got a lot of uh, backlash on my Tucker Pullman take. So I, I, but thought four years was excessive for a defenseman of that ilk. So they've got some depth guys. I, you hope you can squeeze the year out of Halak because he wasn't great last year as a backup, but I do think he's a pro's pro who should be better. And you got to hope that Thatcher stays healthy and takes the next the next step. Um, but, you know, it's really an incomplete right now because you want to know where the PD contract and where the Hughes contract come in. And we exactly. still don't know that here on August 24th. So. We're waiting for Jet Wu also. We're a big Jet Wu fan. We're hoping he make get, gets a chance, and uh, I mean, I really like that Abbotsford is going to be so close around that yes. we can get out there now. I mean, I go to we go to a lot of Giants games, probably almost every home game we go to, mm-hmm. and then so now to go to there as well would be great. I mean, I got Canucks season tickets, so I go there as well. So, like yeah. being a single guy, I get to go wherever the hell I want. Not a boy, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> don't let anyone tell you where you got. No, I mean, like, I think Abbotsford's going to be real excitement. Yeah. You know, I think they energize the market and the fan base a little bit, particularly if the Canucks aren't aren't doing well again. Uh, they have built the right type of team there, I think, to engage the market. There's a lot of AHL vets and there's a lot of local, local guys. guys there. You know, because let's face it, you don't really have a prospect there, maybe outside of Di Pietro, maybe outside of Wu. Um, so you got a couple of guys who are still sort of fingers crossed, hope bets to be full-time NHLers. And uh, then you got a lot of guys who know how to play and win in the HL. So, you know, I think that's going to be fun. I think, you know, the building's going to be rocking out there uh, if we ever get through this pandemic. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, no, I think it's a fantastic spot for the farm team. So I'm looking forward to that. It's funny you say the Pullman thing, because I kind of thought the same thing. And uh, I don't know if he can turn out to be something like a Tanev, I think we'd be laughing. Yeah. I mean, I boy, if I think, I think if he was a tenth, we would know by now. But you know, I hear what you're saying. I mean, they they think I'm a second pair defenseman based on you know some yep. of the minutes logged in Winnipeg on a weak defense score that had some injuries and all that. Uh, I think him, and I think the numbers paint him as more of a third pair defenseman. So four years is an awful lot of term to give a four uh, a, a third pair defenseman and. You know, he's, he's being paid like an NHL regular who's going to be a, a shutdown guy. So now he's you know, going to have to go out and prove it. So we'll see. So we got two more, three more questions for you, and then okay. we'll get out of here. So, uh, one is, what do you think the state of the franchise and uh, all that fire bending stuff at one point was going on? And, I, of, course the, of course, the plane flying the stupid flag. Yeah. So... Uh, Excuse me, guys. Just getting a refreshment there. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think, well, Big Mike's drinking, is he not? Is that yeah, not yeah, here yeah, Mike's? Yeah. So am I not allowed to have the beer nope. at 7 o'clock? No, you are. Yeah, you're definitely allowed to. Eight hours for so. No, that's for sure. Um, so I think whenever a franchise is bad for an extended period of time, and let's face it, the Canucks have been bad for an extended period of time. Um, these things are to be expected. You know, this is a passionate hockey market that's been longing for a Stanley Cup for a half century. Uh, this is now the longest tenured general manager of the club with one of the worst resumes, records, yeah. leading the club. Um, you know, not to mention the fact that, you know, there seem to be um, uh, modern NHL lessons of managing the salary cap and contracts and all that that are not being applied by this management group and we just talked about tucker bullman on a four-year deal like if, <laughs> if you know, tucker bullman needs four years to sign with you you walk away you go find someone else because the chances are you know he's not going to last four years in your lineup um so um in part i believe that's to be expected and like quite frankly guys i've lived in every um Canada's five biggest cities, Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, like, yeah, that would happen in these other cities as well if they were handed the sort of 
hockey that they've been handed. Because, you know, let's remember, before Patterson and Hughes got here, they were impossible to watch on top of being bad. Definitely. You know, they were slow and didn't score goals and let in bad goals before Markey turned it around. So, you know, I, I, you know, I think this is a critical year. And, you know, the other thing I think is that uh, the franchise is now being, you know, managed in terms of um, – uh, the franchise is now being operated in terms of, you know, doing just enough to keep heat off the owner's back. And, you know, I think results now matter and we should, uh, um, you know, we should expect that the fan base is going to, uh, is going to push for results and get, you know, more and more cranky if the results aren't there. Yeah, that's for sure. I agree. I'm with you on that one. And uh, yeah. what do you think of the new owner of the BC Lions? And uh, you, do you expect any big changes there? Uh, well, I mean, I, first of all, I think it's a very exciting day for BC Lions fans that Mr. Doman, uh, right now looks like a white knight, right? Um, riding in, I'm very, very happy for the franchise. They found an owner in the time period they did. So, uh, yeah. So I'm just thrilled that, uh, you know, the Lions have the new hope. Uh, here in the owner's box and a guy who's local and dedicated to, you know, being from here and operating here and and uh, a longtime Lions fan. So, yeah, no, I, I think it's a great day uh, for the Lions. I got high hopes myself. Awesome. So how could the CFL improve its game? Maybe a fourth down or uh, NFL ever in Vancouver? That is a million-dollar, quite a billion-dollar question, Ryan. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure I have the answers. What I know is if you move to American rules, you better have the quarterbacks who could make that game entertaining. And I'm not sure the CFL will ever have its pick of the, of the quarterbacks who can make that, um, make that work up here. And unless you went to some sort of hybrid with the wider field. So uh, I, I think, look, I think in Montreal, when fans will come back, I think Mr. Doman and his ability to market and operate to this public may get the lines back. The Argos, I'm not sure, are fixable. Um, but really, every other market does reasonably well. So, You think there will ever be NFL then in Vancouver? Nope, but I do think there will be NFL in Toronto one day. Yeah. I think it's just too big a market, and I think the NFL guys realize that, hey, the Blue Jays and the Raptors, to a lesser degree, have this national effect where – Really, it's not just a market of five, six million. It's almost the whole country. So, uh, I think at some point the NFL will uh, will green light a relocation to Toronto. Yeah, maybe even okay. Buffalo, which is stadium. Yeah, question oh, yeah. in Buffalo. You know, like, hey, yeah. can't take away Bills Mafia. I gotta love those guys. Yeah, no, I know. I think. Uh... <laughs> Looking for the most beers on tap? Great steaks, great staff. Head over to the John B Pub. We got the best beers, steaks, chicken wings, nachos in town. Come see us at the John B. Pub. The John B. Pub, the best bar in town. Come sign up for our football pool. Say hey, sent you.